We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. Well, take a look here at 1 John chapter 4, if you would. And I'm going to give you something for Christmas. You'll wonder where I'm going here. But stay with me. Uh, I mentioned last week in our message a fellow named Jacques Verzun. He is a French author. He wrote a book called From Dawn to Decadence, from 1500 to present, from the Reformation to Rosie O'Donnell, okay? And so he made the mention that in all cultures, that they all have an intuitive sense that we need to be beyond where we are. We got to change this. And then they have an intuitive sense is this is what we need to be at. And it's the compassionate use of wealth. It's love. It's justice. You recognize where you are because of the image of God and man. You recognize where you need to be because of the image of God and man. A sense of wrong, a sense of right. The problem is getting there. The devil's in the details. How are we going to change human beings in accordance with the will of God? Is that ever a problem? Yeah. I mean, do we do it like Marx is the problem economic? Um, do we just uh, kill off all the people from Western influence like Chairman Mao did? Do we, uh, do, what is the way that we're going to change this? Well, uh, the problem is that man can't love. How many songs do you hear from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, present, that are about love. Everybody sings about it. All we need is love, if we could just get love. Well, the only way you're going to do it is that something's going to happen above man. God, the author of love, is going to have to come down here. Did you ever have your mama yell that at you? Don't make me come down there. God's got to come down here. He's going to have to enter into this He's going to have to affect justice that can affect change in us. He's going to have to bring about a rebirth. And that is what Christmas is. We always give gifts at Christmas, but nobody knows why. And it's just the rumor that God so loved the world that he gave, that here is this gift of Christ. 1 John chapter 4 talks about Christian love. And he will expand on it because one of the reasons he writes this is because of the Gnostic influence in the churches of 90 AD. And uh, they had denied the deity and the humanity of Christ. They had um, uh, had a condescending attitude on true Christians. They had no sense of right and wrong. They felt that God was spirit, the earth was flesh, so it didn't matter what you did with the fleshly world. You could be immoral. You could be a glutton. You could do anything. It didn't matter as long as you were spiritually in touch with God through mystic revelations and the like. Uh, and a lot of the people that defected to that belief system were formerly those that lined up in the church. And so John writes this book of 1 John. And over and over and over in the book, you see the term, by this we know. By this we know. By this we know. It is John's template in 90 AD of what a Christian really is. The last of the apostles that puts the bow on the Bible, Jesus' close friend, 
his head on his chest at the Last Supper, there to watch him die, first to see the empty tomb, there at the transfiguration, saw the book of Revelation in front of him. This guy knows. And so he's going to tell you as the golden calf of compromise that's going on for 20 centuries as it begins to infect the church. Did Israel have a problem with uh, adding to God idols? They did. The church has always had the same problem of making God try to fit into current philosophic moral ideas. And so John's going to tell you this is what a Christian is. Uh, he's going to look first. There's got to be a doctrinal test. You've got to believe that he is the Messiah and that uh, he came in the flesh as the Son of God. Secondly, you have to, uh, if you say that, they're, uh, that, you are, that you know God and you obey unrighteousness, you are perverse. He said, you are a liar. He said, by this we know that we love the brethren, that there's an intuitive sense of family among Christians that is just there with all Christians. And then fourthly, you don't not persevere that there is no such thing as a former Christian. John put it like this in this book. They went out from us, for they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have gone out from us. But they went out from us, that it might be shown that all are not of us. I wonder what he meant by that. That if you're a Christian, you're gonna stay a Christian. You're gonna believe right, you're gonna live righteously, you're going to live lovingly, and you're going to live a long time in the faith. That is a true Christian. And so whenever you see a body on the road and you call 911, the guy will come there and he'll look for vital signs. Vita, life. Is there life here? He will listen for breath. He'll feel for a pulse. He'll feel the coldness or the warmth of the skin. Then you'll look in your eyes and see if your pupil responds to light that your brain's working. And if he doesn't see those, they'll pronounce you dead. John is going to show you the signs, okay? And so if you don't see this in your life, I want you to stand up where you are, all right, so we can identify you. I'm just kidding, okay? Verse 7, stay with me right here. John, what is the love that has changed the world? Here it is. You have a command in verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. The one another is talking about your Christian brother. There is, we have a love of all men, but very specifically right here, there is a love of the brothers. The upper room, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Not another commandment, not commandment number 11. I'm gonna give you a command that says, do not do this and do not do that and do not do that. I'm gonna give you a new commandment from the new birth. All you have to do is this one and all the rest fall in. You love one another. That's what I want you to be. You be in keeping with what I'm about to make you and I'm gonna put you under a new covenant and I'm gonna to come to indwell you. Love one another and that is our miracle. Whenever Moses and the law came, you saw the miracle to confirm it of Sinai, the burning mountain of Sinai, the miracles of Moses and the miracles of Joshua. That's law. And then under 
the prophets, you saw Elijah and Elisha, and you saw miracles to confirm the giving of law and prophets. And then in the coming of grace, law, prophets, grace, you saw the miracles of Jesus and the miracles of the 12. There are always miracles to confirm a new revelation from God. So what is the revelation in our day for the last 20 centuries? It's the one miracle that's the greatest miracle. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. That's the miracle that no ideology can do. And that is to unite men. At the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes. There are tongues of fire as they begin to preach. And what do they preach? The mighty deeds of God in all different tongues. Different kinds of peoples all saying the same thing about the greatness of God. It's unity. Amen. That's what we have that nobody else can produce. Does our government produce a lot of unity? Not as long as you've got an aisle going down the front there. No, we can't ever. We try our best, but we just can't affect love. When Christ came, that was a landed invasion of planet Earth to begin something that had never been done before. Keep watching here. This is, let us love one another. That's the command. And here's the reason. Love is from God. God is love. Love is from God. Love because it's a family trait. It's in our DNA. Uh, the gospel is a seed. And when we believe it, life takes place. Peter put it like this. Let us love one another from the heart because you were not born of seed that is perishable, but of seed imperishable, the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass, glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of God abides forever. And this is the word preached to you. Love one another because the Christian must love. That's who we are. We are born again. I remember becoming a Christian in my 20s, I had always been very close to a bunch of athletes. I was always around baseball players or football players. I got saved and I felt a bond among little skinny people, non-athletes that couldn't get on a court, but they had a bond in me and campus crusade in the church that I had never had with any other athlete unless they were Christians that there was a bond of life in these people and all for the rest of my life. Uh, athletes come and go and see them come and go. But the church has been my greatest delight. So it is for all of us. And so the reason you should love is that's who you are. You're a child of God. And in verse seven, verse B, it's also a result, a proof uh, Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. There is no doubt when you see this person call himself a Christian and he loves the brethren, that guy's got the real disease. Now, 
Can this sometimes be a problem in loving one another? Yes, it can. Well, that's because we're Christians. Before I was a Christian, I had no real problem not loving people that I didn't like because I just hated them to the glory of God. I felt no struggle to love them. I did not want to love them. I sought for meteorites to hit them, to ground, to open up and swallow them. After I got saved, now I felt a tension that I was not just to love those that love me. I was to love like my heavenly father loved that sent rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. So one of the blessings of being a Christian is that you get to struggle now with love towards unlovely people. You never used to struggle with that. And it's also in verse eight, a proof of a lost condition. The one who doesn't love, well, he doesn't know God because God is love. The seed that was put in him was aborted. It never came to fruit, never came to fruition. Y'all remember, well, nobody remembers it. We weren't born at the time. Charles Lindbergh, his child was kidnapped, found dead in a sack of lye in a culvert on a road. They found the guy that allegedly did it. They hung him. But there was always a doubt, DNA wasn't around at that time, that that indeed was the Lindbergh baby. For decades after that, people would come that would have been the age of that child and say they were the Lindbergh baby, looking for Charles Lindbergh's doe. You know, none of them were ever approved as being the Lindbergh baby. You know why? They didn't look like Charles Lindbergh. That's why. If you claim to be the child of a father, you better resemble that father. And so, the one that does not love, he doesn't know God because God is love. Love is not God but God is love. It is behind all of his actions. To say you are born of God and you are not loving is impossible. It's like you are born Italian and you can't hug. Okay. Or French and you can't cook. <laughs> Whatever. Or white and you can't jump. Okay. That's what it takes. In verse nine, he says, here's the purpose that Christ was sent. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. The love of God when we were converted was made visible in us. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. Love was made visible in us. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Christianity is not just a belief system in an act that happened on the cross. It's a constitutional change that follows. When you receive that seed, that truth, when you unite it with faith, there is a conception. Uh, James said, he brought us forth by the word of truth. It's like a baby. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. James is written to the Jews. They are the first fruits among God's new creation. We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. And so 
By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his son into the world, that we can live through him. Our love is to be the manifestation of God's love. And this was the reason for the first Christmas. The angels said, glory to God in the highest. In the heavenly realm, they are singing about the giving of Christ. Glory be to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, or goodwill, or peace toward men of God's good pleasure. And so it affects the highest all the way to mankind that God is glorified. So that's why God sent his son, to show who he is in you. In verse 10, here is our motivation. And this is love, not that we love God. That's not why God loved us, because we earned his love. We had become so lovable that God said, I just have to save him. Isn't he precious? No. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and then sent his son. And then he was to be the propitiation by dying on the cross and satisfying the wrath of God for our sins. God was not prompted by us to love us. He set his affection on us sovereignly and freely because of who he was. It was not objective that the object was so wonderful. It was subjective that he was so gracious. Why us? We don't know. But that is the motivation by which we love. Jesus put it like this. If you love those who love you, what difference is that among the unrighteous? They love those who love them. If you love those who don't love you, you are now sons of your heavenly father because he sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. That is a very convicting verse. I will love people that are working my side of the street, but when they get cross of me, they're in trouble because I feel as I am the implement of God's justice on this earth, okay? I must slander them long and painfully to the glory of God. Now, he said, that's not love. This is love. That God placed his affection on you because of who he was. Well, in verse 11, if he so loved us, we also oughtness, we ought to love one another. These people are family that God loved them. David said, as for the majestic ones, they are those in whom are all my delight. Y'all remember a fellow named Onesimus, a runaway slave from Colossae who ran away to Rome and got thrown in the same block, the same cell as Paul how would you like to be chained in the presence of Paul for a while? And Paul led him to Christ. My son whom I begotten in my imprisonment. And Paul said, I'm sending him back to you. He's gotten out. Whom I formerly wished to keep with me that in your behalf he would minister to me and the gospel. I turned this guy from a crook into a prisoner. I saw that happen during my three years, but I was behind bars. 
trying to share. It was so powerful, I can't even remember it. All right. But he said, I'm going to send him back to you, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me. But without your consent, I wouldn't do it, that your goodness should not be by conscription, but by your own free will. He said, I'm sending you a guy back, no longer uh, a slave, but a brother. How much more a brother, especially to you, that you both are my sons through Christ. And so they said, this is, don't see this guy for what he used to be. From now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. What did he used to be? Don't know. Do you know when I get to heaven in the end section, there's probably going to be a guy right down the hall from me in glory named Manuel Noriega. How many remember Manuel Noriega? Yeah. He got saved by a McKinney Baptist pastor. Ruined my eternity. <laughs> He's probably going to be right down the street, right there with Nebuchadnezzar. All right. So there's going to be all kind of people around you in heaven that have been changed. And so... If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That is our example. Not that these are good people, but they are God's people. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. This is the impact that love can have. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Meaning men can't see God. But what can they see? They can see you. They can see your love. Charles one time brought a, uh, a Muslim here to speak to us. This was a guy trained in Saudi Arabia in the same whereabouts of uh, Osama bin Laden. He was trained to be a suicide guy. And he got converted. We never found out his real name because he couldn't put out his real name but he speaks all around. And I mean, we had lunch with this guy and I said, this guy's on a different level that I'm on. I mean, his life was on the line every day. And I asked him, I said, how did you come to Christ when you were raised so alien to the Judeo-Christian idea? He said, I did a study program in America and I came over here like a lot of guys from uh, the Middle East. And he said, I lived with a family and they were my support family that happened to be Christians. And he said, I saw how they treated each other and particularly how the man treated his wife. You dig? To be a female in a Muslim community is dangerous. This guy loved his wife and his daughters. And even though that I was alien to him, how they loved me. And he said to me, there is no word for love in the Koran. He said, God does not, you do not pray to God, you pray for God. You are not in the image of God that is denigrating to him. He is the holy other. You don't know what he is. And he is not subject to our banal emotions like love. Uh, he said, I had never seen that. 
I had longed for that, but now I saw it. And I thought, how simple that this guy that you would have thought, how would I do apologetics with him? All you had to do was love each other. He'd never seen it. And now he is a Christian evangelist. Ate with him, fact. And so he says, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God makes his home in us and his love is perfected. Let me tell you a little bit about what the word perfected means. Telos. It means from one end to the other. For sound to go from one end to the other, it is called telephone. Uh, if you write something that goes to the other end, it is a telegraph. If uh, a sight goes from one end to the other, it is a television or a telescope to bring it in from one end to the other. It's called the teleological, teleological argument of God is that the world progresses toward an order. A human being is conceived, he grows, he's born, he's a baby, a child, hits about 27 and begins to die. Okay, that's a joke. But he grows to that point, that everything grows to an intended place of design. It's meant to get there. That's the word used here. His love is completed in us. We, we sing a little ditty back in the 60s. We used to sing it. The love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. It's meant to go through you and to change. And so, if we love one another, God's love reaches its perfection. One guy put it like this. He said, electricity is a, runs in a current, a circle. It comes from the uh, power plant. It comes into your home through those two little sockets or two places for the current. You put a, a deal in the receptacle and now those two prongs, one will make it go down one wire and that thing the wire's in. What's that? The wire thing, okay? And it'll go down through that insulation, okay? And then it'll go through that light bulb. That's what we call it in Texas. It'll go through that bulb. And it takes uh, about face in that bulb and starts back down the other line into the other hole and then back to the power station. He said, it's a circle. It's making a current like that. And the reason that you get light is that in that bub, you take out all the air. It's a vacuum. And that little filament is small enough that it will light up. You actually put a short in the line and it will light up. It'll hit resistance but it's strong enough that it won't break. You ever turn your light on and hear, you gotta go get you another bub, all right? It didn't hold the charge. And he said, that's what the Christian is. You're the filament. It starts from God through Christ by his word. It hits you and it converts you, but it has to be love that is brought to its end. 
that you now light up and you now do good works. Paul said, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So he did not save us merely to save us. He saved us to exhibit us. Look what I did right here. And so no one has seen God, but if we love one another, his love is now visible and it is perfected in us. A child is meant to grow to an adult. If you stop that process in the womb, what's it called? It's called abortion. If you stop it outside the womb, it's called murder. And so he is supposed to go to the other end. You are born to love. What is the will of God for your life? Who cares? What is the will of God? You are to love. Same as me. That's when we're, to be kind of profane, that's when we're happiest. Would you agree? When we are loving. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first one. Well, in verse, incidentally, the, the easiest way to get through this text is to preach it. When you walk outside, you're in trouble. All right. It's always better to be a hermit after you do this. Not to have any humans. Mike Shear in our church was going to start a church called No People Bible. <laughs> Just no, he was going to have no people there. <laughs> yeah. Verse um, 15, 13. This is the means by which we love. How do we do this? By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. That's our union. Those are Johannan statements about what Paul expands on, about the body of Christ sharing the life of Christ as our head. Well, he's, here John simply says, we abide in him and he in us. So which is true? He is in us and we are now like a, a cochlear implant. All right. Is it raining? Air conditioning just turned on? Okay. And so it's like we now share in the life of God. And when that happens, the way we know it is he has given us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God communicates the life of Christ given by the Father to the child of God. Dr. Pentecost used to say at seminary, God is the architect, he designs the plan. The son is the builder, he enacts it. The Holy Spirit is the real estate salesman. He convinces us of our need and we enter into union. And so he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world because of his love in us in verse 13, because of his love being perfected in us, now in verse four, what is one of the verbs? We now have seen and what's your verb? Testify. Because of our love, we now have the boldness to open our mouths. 
and to speak. We testify the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Uh, this is now our message that we can tell people that God has intervened in history and the conversion of man, someday the return of Christ to enact his kingdom. And so we can now preach this message. And verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so there is a inseparability between orthodoxy and orthopraxy, between belief and behavior, that they are united. When you confess that he is the son of God, God takes residence in you and you in God. And in verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Belief is followed because of the indwelling of God, because of our union with God, and because of the life of God. Love is the evidence of a true Christian. A number of years ago, we had a fellow written Bible. He's not with us anymore. He's dead. And this fellow would not come to church because he didn't feel we were on his intellectual level. We had Bible studies and he would come to those, but he demanded to do the preaching at the Bible study. People left him because he was so obnoxious. He had uh, a wife and two kids he let come to church and they were wonderful folks. Both kids married solid Christians in our church. We married him off and he would not attend the wedding because somehow they had broken free from his dominion. He tormented his wife enough that finally she left just for her health. And so he decided to start his own church in his house. Nobody came. And so he sat alone in his house and had church with himself. How's that for a church? And uh, he died. And when he died, they had a token funeral and nobody came and dropped him in the ground. Was he saved? He gave no indication that he had come to know God. And so you couldn't really bury him with a whole lot of authority. He was just gone. You know the sad thing? He was a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. He died with his knowledge. And so, we have come to know and have believed God is love, the one who abides in love. There is no doubt that God abides in him. Love is our vital sign, all right? You ever watch Little House on the Prairie? Harriet Olson. <laughs> I don't know how much she made for that role. They should have paid her a million dollars a week. Did you ever see Marcus Welby, MD? She was the loving nurse for Marcus Welby. And then she became the most hated woman in the history of Western civilization. 
What a job. Great actress. But she was persnickatively, fastidiously religious all the way. She would gossip to the glory of God. And so that's not what we're looking for. In verse 17, by this love is perfected in us. Our love brings the love of God to its intended terminus. The end of love is light. By this love is perfected in us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Do you know that you are a Christian? Do you have confidence that you will stand before the Almighty and will enter in? What gives you confidence in the day of judgment is not merely your orthodox understanding of sin and the gospel. It's that his love has been perfected. You can look at your life and say, I am not what I was. I'm not what I will be, but I'm not what I was. There are people that die in this church and I bury them with such delight. Let me explain that. Because I know they know the Lord and uh, there is confidence in the day of judgment. And so I'm able to say, this brother is with Christ. Other times when I have to bury somebody, I try to ask around, all right? I do a little Perry Mason work out there. Did anybody know this person? Tell me about them. Uh-huh, tell me about them. You know why I do that? So I won't have to get in the pulpit and lie. Tell me about this person. They are God's workmanship created for good works. There's a teleological reason God saved them, to be a light. And so there is confidence in the day of judgment. How's this for a verse? As he is God, so also are we in this world. We are to be a reflection of the light of God, Daniel and Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Persia. Joseph in Egypt. Paul in your jail cell. Did Christ lead guys to Christ on the cross? The thief on the cross? The executioner? Probably the soldiers? Led them to faith. And so, as he is, so also are we in this world. Are we in a place of history right now that is kind of jeopardizing? It is. As he is, so also are we. Bring it on. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. If you love the Lord and if you have obeyed him, you have no trepidation about death. You have no fear of death. You know that you belong to him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Normally that is taken as being God's perfect love for us 
cast out our fear that he loves us. That's true, but it's not true here. In context, it means there is no fear in love. Where there is our love, there is no fear. But perfected love, perfect love. Whose perfect love? Ours. That we have lived out our faith and it has come to its end and we are loving people. Perfect love in you. You never have to be afraid. Dawn, I'm so ready to bury you someday. I'm ready. Dawn's my old buddy. She knows the Lord, walks with the Lord, has been faithful to him. Uh, you got no fear, do you? I don't either. Jan Nathanson, no fear. <laughs> She's a blonde. Okay. Kind of crazy, but Jan's going home. I've known her for years. She knows the Lord. Vlad, the Romanian, you know the Lord, don't you? He's a young gun. I've watched him. I've seen the love in him. No doubt. Perfected love cast out all fear. We're not afraid. In verse 18, because fear involves punishment, the one who fears, oh, he has no confidence on who he is. In verse 19, why do we love? Because he first loved us. That's why perfect love has no fear. We love because he started this in us. I love folks like I used to didn't because God loves me and he created this in me. Perfect love cast out no fear, all fear. We love because he first loved us. Teresa and I have that on the inside of our wedding ring. We love because he first loved us. What that means is that the reason that I have to love her is because God loved me and we love because he loved us. Why does she love me? She must. All right. But God has loved her. And so whenever I do a wedding ceremony, I can say to the guy, I'm gonna make you do a vow, but I really don't need the woman here. This is between you and God. Stand to the side here, lady. Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish keeping her to yourself so long as you both shall live? Yes, I do. As Christ loved his church, yes, I do. Okay. Can women change over about 40 years? Let's move on. Yeah, they can. It don't matter with you. You said you're going to love her. Madam, step aside, fella. You said you will love, honor, and obey. Till death do you part. Better for worse, sickness and health. Is that right? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. We love because he first loved us. And so we love each other. When you get two people doing that at the same time, it can be a real happy relationship. In verse 21, but if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. The one who doesn't love his brother whom he can see can't love God whom he cannot see. Christian love is not objective. I will love you if. That's not love. That's how the pagans love. 
I love you because God makes me to love. If my enemy is hungry, I'll feed him. If he's thirsty, I'll give him a drink. And I will pour burning coals on his head. He'll have light. I will love because God loved me. Uh, that is called subjective love. You love because of who you are. Oh, I can love my friends. They're always working my side of the street. I love God because he's always working my side of the street. This guy over here bugs me. If you can't love the guy that you can see, you're not going to love God whom you can't. And so that is the subjectiveness of love. It's who we are. And in verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, the one who loves God should love his brother also. Uh, Christ is the path to utopia. All of our longings and all of our fears, they're met in him. You know, when I got saved, I went home for my first Christmas and I wanted to hear an album. Y'all remember albums? Records? Vinyl. And we had one by Perry Como. Does anybody? Okay. Perry Como would sing hymns. And my favorite hymn was O Little Town of Bethlehem. And I would put it on with the needle and I would listen to it. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie beneath thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. While in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Isn't that good? All the pain of humanity is dealt with in the back street of Bethlehem. And I would listen to it over and over. And that's what this is. The love of Christ was D-Day. It was a landed invasion on planet Earth to bind the strong man and to plunder his possessions. And we're heading toward Berlin to when it's all over. Amen. Let's celebrate communion. Father in heaven, for just a few moments, we'll stop and we'll reflect on the reason for our season and the reason for our preaching. That the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And we have seen and we testify to it. And we have experienced it. And we evidence it. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, not only would we love you for what you have done, we could love you even when we don't understand. To say is Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
that he is not responsible to me. I am to trust him. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the knowledge and the uh, wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For from him, through him, and unto him are all things. To God be glory forever. And so, Lord, we love you just because of who you are. We love you for what you did for us on the worst act of human history, unbeknownst to all of us. You laid aside your glory and you took the hit like a man. And we are thankful for what you did not do, what you could have done and you did not do. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. Thank you for laying aside your glory. And I pray, Lord, for all of the weevils that we now have to encounter, all of those that we have to treat with affection and kindness and forgetfulness, that you would help us in discerning it. And let this church, Lord, be a place where you can come in out of the dark into the light and warmth of the body of Christ. And we'll ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.